From the game gurus at Snakes and Lattes, you're listening to the Snakes Cast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast, everyone. I'm Jonathan Moriarty. With me this week are Steve Tassie. Hello. And Aaron Zach. Hey there. It's Game Spotlight time, and we are going to be putting the Game Spotlight on a little something called Tragedy Looper by Baca Fire. For those of you who've heard a little bit about this, this is going to be a spoiler-free review. Uh, that actually will mean something later on. Here's the thing. The Snakes cast is mostly geared toward players who are relatively new to the hobby, so this will give you a bit of a window into what it's like for us jaded board game scenesters who've already seen and played everything that's new and excited for you, exciting for you and reach the point where they need something a bit weirder to satisfy their thirst for novelty. Play this thing twice. I'm still not sure if it's a good game, but it certainly is unusual, and in a time where some designers seem to keep republishing the same game over and over again with minor refinements, Something truly strange like this can be really refreshing. I'm just going to read for you guys a text intro for this game. This will give you some background for what's going on in this story. Actually, I mean, what do you see on the box for this game? Well, I'm looking at it, and it looks kind of like a disappointing anime I might watch on Netflix, <laughs> alone in my apartment at 2 a.m., but I'm excited. All right. So, Tragedy Looper. Tragedy happens every day, every hour, every moment. Lost lives, cruel words, broken hearts, and broken minds. It's a testament to humanity's resilience. We can somehow carry on in the face of so much misfortune. But not all tragedies are equal. Sometimes a tragic event can have consequences that ripple outward and change everything, usually for the worse. But time and causality have defense mechanisms. No one quite understands how they work or why they even exist. They simply are. One of you carries an old pocket watch. Every morning when you wake, you wind it. When a tragedy happens, moments later you find yourself winding that watch, having traveled back in time to the morning of the day the tragedy began to unfold. One of you sits at your desk every morning after you wake up, making an entry in your grandmother's old diary. Moments after a tragedy happens, you find yourself sitting there at your desk again, writing that same diary entry with the same future awaiting you. And on a thoughtless whim, one of you downloaded a mysterious smartphone app that only had one review. 10 out of 10 would loop again. You check it every morning, and the occurrence of a tragedy sends you back in time to a previous check-in from before it was too late. Every time you enter one of these loops... You find yourselves in the in-between space, an ethereal room of velvet drapes and fluttering dreams. There you can confer with one another about how to avert the impending tragedy and then return to the world. You've done this successfully several times now, but this time, something is different. Every time you try to stop it, the tragedy seems to resist. The people and emotions and circumstances shift like the pieces of a sliding block puzzle, determined to ensure that their terrible fate is not denied. This can't be a coincidence. Somebody's out there pulling strings and manipulating the people connected to the tragedy, and they are not messing around. They won't hesitate to kill you if that's what it takes. You've tried working together during the day to prevent this tragedy, but it nearly caused a horrifying time paradox that could have had unimaginable consequences. The only place where it's safe for you to speak to each other is in the room with the velvet drapes we will return to between loops. Worst of all, the hands of your pocket watch, the pages of your diary, the trial period of your app are running down, running thin, running out. You have only a few loops left to prevent something terrible from happening. Can you stop the mastermind from changing the world before your time truly runs out? So, ever heard of a game like that? It wouldn't be a disappointing anime. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me a little bit of uh, the Persona games. You guys ever heard of these things? No. Japanese teenagers getting involved in bizarre occult stuff, uh, uh, having, having to present, prevent oh, huge terrible things Oh, those Japanese. Happening. Yeah, I've heard of that before, just not the game version. But uh, yeah, so this is a very strange game, obviously. What, what do you think of the sound of this? Is this something you would want to play? It sounds great. I'd love to play this game. I'm really excited, actually. 
All right. So, Steve, you've actually had the chance to play this one. How well do you think it delivered on this premise that it offers? Time travel's a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) I think I must have said that around a dozen times when we played this game. It it bends your brain. Uh, it, It delivers a logic puzzle that fights back. Uh, because of the mastermind, because exactly. of because of it being a one versus many game, um, uh, even when you figure out the puzzle, there's still no guarantee that you're actually going to be able to prevent the tragedy and solve it because there's that one jerk ass who is fighting back and really <laughs> trying to make the the bad stuff happen. It's true. One one of the players actually represents the mastermind behind this tragedy. And every time you loop back in time, it's true, you can change things, you can do things differently, but soak in the mastermind, and they know that you're working against them. And they hear your plans as you plot in the room. It's quite something. Uh, I don't think this game has a very large audience, <laughs> all, all things considered. I mean, I, I, is this the thing you would recommend to many of the people you know, Steve? <sighs> um, it's not a game that I would recommend to a lot of our customers. Mm. But there are certainly a number of my friends and colleagues uh, whom I would definitely say, try this thing. Just because it's different. Because it's different, because it's challenging, uh, and it's really interesting, too. It's, it's, not, it's not an easy game to grasp. It's not an easy game to win. Uh, and it's, it's a very unusual concept. Uh, Steve, you mentioned one against many games. Aaron, have you played any games where it's like one person against everybody else? I've had a bit of a chance to. I mean, the best example would be on the brink, the mm. pandemic expansion. And I mean, I love that. Mm. I love that kind of that dynamic. Um, I really do enjoy those kind of games. I really do enjoy kind of when things are thrown for a loop that way. And it's not just we're going to play against the board again. Uh, so I, I'm excited. I'm excited to learn about this game because I really do enjoy those. Let's go into it then in a bit more detail. So what are we looking at here? The game set up. What do we see on the table? Well, we've got four different areas on the board. Uh, we've got, you know, the shrine and the school, um, the hospital, the city. These are these are the locations that characters can be in during the game. And the protagonists in this game aren't actually characters. The people trying to stop the tragedy, they're basically wherever they need to be. Ah. But we also have these uh, these character cards that are in different locations. We've got, uh, you know, the students. We've got the doctor, the office worker, the mystery boy. Yep, there, there's all these different roles, including actually take a look through some of those. What so, we got? So we've got the mystery boy. He's extremely mysterious. <laughs> Everybody wants to date him. We've got the henchman. Doesn't look very henchy. The class rep. She's going to die. And the nurse. And a bunch of other characters here. Uh, my favorite right now is the journalists. Mm-hmm. And we've also got, taken around... Uh, Alien. Yes, there is an alien. There is a godlike being. All the standard sort of things that you find in these bizarre anime stories are present in this thing, and each of them has a particular way that they can help you to solve this, to to prevent this mystery, if you build up enough goodwill. And these little tokens with hearts on them represent goodwill. One of the things that the protagonist can do is play cards on these characters to, 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 to place goodwill on them. And if a character has enough goodwill on them, then they trust the protagonists enough to help them to prevent the tragedy. But instead of, here's the thing, you can only play one card on each person per turn. 
which means if you're building up goodwill on somebody, that means you can't play card and remove them someplace else. And sometimes you need to get them out of harm's way. Uh, there are all these secrets that are present there. At the beginning of the game, on the first run through, you have no idea. Remember what happened the first loop? Yes. First loop, turn one. No spoilers, remember. Someone died. <laughs> <laughs> and through means that there's no way you could have prevented, no way you yeah. could have known. But in a way that afterwards, you're looking through the rules and how these rules work. And how everything interacts. You're like, oh, okay. So that and that can never be together. That's a bad idea. <laughs> so, then they, so then they loop back to the beginning of day one. And it's like, okay, guys, this time we have to prevent this from happening. And then so they do that. But then other stuff starts happening as paranoia tokens start getting placed. These purple tokens. Uh, each of these characters has a paranoia limit placed on them. And if somebody is at their limit, that means they can trigger incidents that might happen. First scenario, and this is not a spoiler, the players find out about this right at the beginning. Uh, on the second day, a murder is going to happen if the murderer, if the culprit, is paranoid at that time. And on day three, there's a suicide, which is going to happen if the culprit is paranoid. So as the mastermind starts placing paranoia on all these characters, the protagonists are trying to figure out what's really going on and who you're really trying to stop from doing what. Yeah, we may know that there's going to be a murder, but we don't know who the victim is. We don't know who the killer is. If we see the mastermind loading up a particular person with lots of paranoia, that's probably the killer, but maybe not. Maybe it's a bluff. Maybe there's another thing going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Uh, everything just slowly meshes together and loop after loop you get more and more information and know what you can allow to happen and what you can't allow to happen. And all you have to do is stop the tragedy once. So it, basically this is like a really, really, really messed up dark version of Groundhog Day? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Evil Groundhog Day with teenagers and murder. In Japan. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, really, I'm getting more stressed out as you talk, but I'm into it. <laughs> So, I, I want to point out just the, the style and the look of the game. It's very clear that its source material is uh, anime. It, yes. Like the, the, the character art, uh, just everything about it. It's very slick. The art is really good. I think that if there are gamers out there who are also anime fans. And, especially I mean, if they play Persona. When, when do nerdisms intersect? <laughs> I mean, that never happens. But if you're a gamer and an anime fanatic, I think that you will like this game just for what it looks like alone. Um, There's also uh, these intrigue tokens, uh, the yellow ones. Those indicate the influence of the mastermind growing in a place or in a person. And those can be used to trigger tr the, the big T, tragedy. And once they're placed, they can never be gotten rid of. The, at the start of each day of, this, uh, of any given loop, the mastermind player puts three cards face down in three different places on different people or wherever. And then the heroes have to decide where they're going to play their three cards. And then we flip them all. We see what happens. Incidents may be triggered uh, if somebody has, uh, if the protagonists have earned the goodwill of one of the characters, they can, you can use their powers and incidents are triggered, roles take place. If there's a cultist out there, they're going to add intrigue. If there's a serial killer out there and they're alone in the same space with somebody else, they have to kill them. Um, um, tell me a little bit more about what's going on in the cards. We can talk sure. about that. So in the top left of the card, we've got the character's paranoia limit. If they have that many paranoia tokens on them or more, 
That means they are paranoid, and if they're the culprit of a particular incident, that incident is going to happen, whether it's a murder or suicide or some other terrible thing. Um, a lot of them also have little hearts shown on the bottom. Like for example, uh, the pop idol here has three hearts and then an ability she can use, and another one four hearts, an ability she can use. If the protagonists manage to place three goodwill on the pop idol, three of these goodwill tokens on here, they have access to that ability. She trusts them enough that she'll do that for them. Four means they can access the stronger one, but... Hard to get there. Exactly. Also, here's the, here's the, here's the best part. Once you've used an ability, sometimes for, like the police officer, for example, can tell you what somebody's role in the tragedy is. And even if it's too late to prevent the tragedy, once you learn it, if you still have another loop left, you loop back to the beginning of day one, and now you know. The cop never will not remember doing this investigation, but he did it. We should talk about roles and how they're different from characters. Sure. Because uh, each, each character in a scenario uh, is either somebody important or essentially just a bystander yeah, or, or, or fodder. Um, there can be the key, what they call the key person. The key person. So the key person is usually the person that you want to try to keep alive, but you never know who that is. Somebody who's going to have a profound scenario. effect on the future. Yeah. And if they die, it's going to be bad for the whole world. But there are other roles as well, such as the serial killer or the conspiracy theorist. The brain. Uh, the brain. And these roles all give the mastermind different things that And the mastermind knows which character has which role. The protagonists don't. They have to figure it out. Yeah. The, the serial killer shows up in some of the scenarios. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> the really fun thing I found about the serial killer was we didn't care quite so much who it killed as long as it wasn't killing really important people. <laughs> so it makes you feel kind of bad playing this because you're like, ah, it doesn't matter if that guy gets killed as long as this one stays alive. So just make sure that the serial killer character is, is in a room with somebody else. That's all that matters. Somebody else. So here's the final twist. And Aaron, I want to hear what you have to think about this. Um, you know how in a lot of co-op games, there's the alpha player problem. Yes. We did an episode about that. Where somebody just bossing everybody else around telling them what to do. Here's the story with Tragedy Looper. When a loop begins, at the beginning of day one, the players can talk to each other about what's going on. Soon as they start the first day of any given loop, they all have to clam up. Nobody can talk. And they go through day one, day two, day three. We play cards. We see what happens. Only the mastermind is affecting things on the board. Only the mastermind is doing stuff. They're not allowed to talk to each other until the tragedy happens. Then they can talk again until they start the, the new loop. What do you think of that as a means of preventing somebody from taking over? You know, I think it's a double-edged sword. I mm -hmm. think it definitely addresses the main issue. Okay, the alpha, do the dominant personality is going to dictate the game as it goes, but I think it takes on a whole different role of who's the quickest thinker? Mm -hmm. Who is going to get their ideas out the fastest? Who, is it going to cause people just to talk over each other in the limited time they have? Actually, there's a, the, the, I don't think there's a rule about limited time. You spend as much time as you want. It's just limited opportunity. Ah, exactly. You only get to talk so at, at a certain point or right, certain points right, during okay. the game, but you can talk for as long as you want. When we played, we didn't use that element. We yeah. were all new to the game. We decided to forgo that side of things. And the game was still extraordinarily challenging. We, we did manage to win, but only just barely. Uh, and... Um, I've, the interesting thing was I was, I felt a couple of times that I was kind of alpha gaming it, but, yeah, but, but 
I was also wrong a few times. And people <laughs> pointed that out and that saved the day. Uh, so just because someone's alpha playing doesn't mean that you're going to win because the alpha player can be wrong. Especially considering the nature of the hidden information. Mm -hmm. So Steve, as the curator of Snakes and Lattes, is this a game that belongs in the library? It's a tough question. Um, from a it's different and of theoretically historical value, I would say yes, it belongs in our collection. But as far as does it belong on the wall where people can play it? I'm going to have to say no. Um, and a lot of one versus many follow that problem. Sure, Fury um, of Dracula isn't yeah. on the shelf. Well, it, it is, but it's only there because I happen to really love it. <laughs> um, if I wasn't fond of it, it wouldn't be there. Uh, one versus many games really require you to know what you're doing when you're the one. And this one really benefits from people who have had a thorough thorough explanation of how the game works in order to play it as the team. And I think that in our situation, we don't have the time to truly give uh, prospective players the, the depth of explanation that they need in order to give this game a fair shake. Aaron, is this something that uh, you would like to see at Snakes and Loggers? <laughs> I think I think Snakes and Loggers is for after you play this game and you lose, you go to Snakes and Loggers. <laughs> to drown your sorrows. sorrows. That's what you do there, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully we'll get together and get a chance to play it sometime. I'd love, I'd love to put an insert in every game of these that we ever sell them just says, you know, good luck, and then a tiny little flask of liquor just saying, <laughs> you just on the size, you tried. <laughs> and with that, we'll bring this game spotlight to a close. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Moriarty with Steve Tassi and Aaron Zach. Sayonara. See you later. Game on. Thanks for listening. You can find more from the Game Gurus by subscribing to the Snakes and Lattes YouTube channel or by visiting our blog. Just go to snakesandlattes.com and click where it says blog up near the top of the page. Until next week, I'm P.T. Douglas. Game on.